What is going on everyone? Welcome back to the CEO Cast, the number one place of showcasing business and entrepreneurship. Now, if you saw last week's episode with Andrew Tate, the top G, I was thinking to myself, who do we get on next? Who's along the same lines as the top G? And then I thought for a second, what about the God tier? God tier. God tier. Nico Leonard, what's going on? I'm doing well, mate. Yeah. Doing well. Welcome in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Oh, great to be Welcome. here. Welcome. In your beautiful store. Aye. Yeah. Beautiful. The lights don't work. <laughs> Fuck shake, that's embarrassing. <laughs> it's alright, man. It's alright. The main thing is we've got the stock here. Yeah. We're never running out of stock. No, that's it. That's it. The funny bit is, this is gonna be this is actually the first time we have ever recorded something in the shop. Because you haven't got anything in the channel ever. I was looking at it, I was thinking, I haven't seen this before. No. Uh, it's also gonna be one of the last times because we're we're gonna refurb the entire shop, so uh, it's gonna be exciting. Can people can your audience look forward to seeing some videos here or still not yet? I'm not sure. I'm not sure because it's it's a small space. Um, our shop is actually based in uh, in a in a bank vault yeah. in a hotel, which was previously a bank. Mm -hmm. So and this uh, is actually the vault, which is sick. I uh, we have we have a small space to work with. Yeah, so. and and it's sick as well because you still got the vault door. Yeah, as well. that's class, isn't yeah, it? It's proper good. It just looks like this is the place to be, sort of thing. This is the vault, mate. Yeah. This is the vault. I'll lock you up in the middle of the night. No bother. <laughs> I don't mind, bro. I'm, I'm surrounded by Rolexes. <laughs> to be it's fair, fun. to be fair, I have slept here once. Have you actually? Yeah. Why is that? Yeah, I was drunk at night and I couldn't be arsed. I couldn't get a taxi. Yeah. So I fell asleep in one of the chairs there <laughs> with the doors closed and stuff. Yeah. How was it? Yeah, can't remember much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's one of those nights. <laughs> Before we get into it, make sure you subscribe and set the bell notification to all so you never miss a single episode. But we'll start off with that. So, you know, how, how's life been treating you so far? How you been? How's your day going? I know, you know, you've had a busy, busy day. Busy day, picked you guys up, uh, was bed, out of bed early. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, appreciate that. I uh, picked you guys up from the airport, um, beach and pool was very important because everyone that enters our uh, premises, yeah. everyone that enters our office have to has to be competing. Uh, uh, one, pool. one game though. So. Well, one, you've won one game and I won the other. Yeah, but I mean, it's your pool table, so I, you know, people don't expect oh, you to yeah, win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of them ones. Good one, <laughs> good one. Um, then I had a good, good amount of clients. Yeah. Um, we're working on a deal. It's worth about a million quid at the moment. So yeah. um, a lot of my attention at the moment is in, into that deal and making that happen and facilitating that. So uh, yeah, it's been a chaos of a day and now this podcast. Did you say a million? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. What watch is that? Uh, to come, it's two watches, two extremely rare Audemars Piquet Royal Oaks, um, and um, to uh, to a very famous big person. Can't really give any yeah, details, but um, we've we've secured the watches now, and uh, that's uh, that's incredible, mate. Uh, we'll probably uh, we'll probably show that in one of the vlogs. Yeah, we'll look out for the channel. You know, this is the reason why I wanted to get you on because everyone loves watches, right? Everyone. Yeah. I think I've slowly started to get into watches. I've done a couple of podcasts with guys, you know, maybe Trotters and Chrono. Yeah. So I think I'll, I'll be very honest. When I was in those podcasts, I didn't have much knowledge about watches. Did you have the Tudor already? No, no I didn't. So where did you buy the Tudor? The, when or where? Where? Oh, Goldsmiths. All right. Very good. And when? Uh, not too long. I think it was... Two months ago, three months ago. All right, good watch, mate. One of the best GMTs on the market today. Yeah. Value for money. I was going to ask your opinion on it later on, but you know what? I actually like it quite a lot. And for the price, I don't think you can go wrong at all. Uh, hands down, best value for money GMT in the, That's in the world. That's it. So literally off the back of those podcasts, when I started getting more knowledge, you know, watches, started watching a whole lot of your videos. And then 
almost kind of built a passion for watches. I was like, yeah, cool, you know what? Let me let me buy a watch. And then, right. and then this Tudor come up um, with the whole plan. You know, you've got to get buying history and all that sort of stuff. So the plan is to eventually down the line get a date just right. as long as I don't sell this. So, you know, dealer, if you're watching this, still here, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> He's not flipping it to me. Yeah. I have a special player. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, everyone loves it. And I think everyone also loves the idea of being a watch dealer and the lifestyle that it revolves, revolves around. I mean, if people look at you, look at you, and we'll get into this later on as well. Um, <laughs> I mean, you picked us up from the airport in your G-Wagon. Yeah. Right. And you've also got 812 Superfast. Yes. Ferrari. Right. So, yes. I mean, and, you know, other watch dealers are also driving nice cars and stuff. So, it's, it seems like a very lavish and very luxurious lifestyle on the outside. Yeah. I live a very good life. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I live a very good life now. Mm. Um, but I don't really think that's got to do with watch dealing or selling watches because I don't know how other watch dealers do that. But... Um, I know the margins are very small, to be honest. Yeah. Like, um, like for me, my life, like I have several companies um, and that allows me to have a certain lifestyle. But next to that, it's also a tax write- write-off. The A12 is simply a tax write-off. Yeah, yeah. Promotional material, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> tax man, got you sorted. HMRC, mate. don't worry. <laughs> HMRC. It's all sorted, mate. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, to be to be honest, mm. um, like of course, if you of course if you sell big ticket items, million plus, and a minimum margin is about ten percent, yeah. or your average margin is about ten percent, um, you can make a hundred grand on the uh, on the spot. But for me, if I look at our numbers, and we would be one of the biggest UK sellers, yeah, um, we are as a business, we're doing very well, and and but like. I wouldn't say that I'm able to drive a Ferrari because we sell so many watches, to be honest. I don't think that that's correct. No? No. Okay, no, fair no, no. So then tell me, what's the realities of being a watch dealer, in your, in your opinion, uh, in your life? Uh, the reality for me as a watch dealer is that it's massively stressful. I am broke. I'm, on, I'm, broke uh, I'm a millionaire on Monday morning. Yep. I'm broke in the afternoon. Okay. And that is the start of the week. It is what it is. Um, it's be, like if I need to buy stock, if we sell a certain amount of watches that week, I need to buy new stock. But the problem is getting those getting those watches at a certain price where you can make a profit, right? And uh, it's all it's always it's always the same. You can never buy a watch back uh, at the price that you sold it at. Yeah, it's difficult. it's it's difficult. Why is that? Is that because of the price that is at now, or because you you right. once knew that you bought it for cheaper? Yeah, yeah, prices are going up. Yeah. It's very simple. Um, and, and if you see that year by year, we're now in a period which is naturally where the prices are a little bit lower. Yeah. Uh, but that's naturally. Uh, but it, you, need to, you need to really compare that quarter by quarter or um, year by year. Then you can really make a good analysis on that, uh, where the prices are. But if you compare this with the prices of last year, we're still 16% higher. And um, yeah, that, that means that like we need to constantly be creative with our balance sheet it's like last year we've done 26 times our balance sheet that's bloody amazing that is insane like i mean that is that is creative um that is that is that is being creative yeah in how to raise funds or how to how to achieve certain stock levels yeah 
This episode is brought to you by Sunamask. Now, if you don't already know about Sunamask, I don't know where you've been because they've got some of the nicest and most long-lasting perfumes out there. One of my top favorites is the Arabian Nights oil and just a couple drops to keep you smelling fresh the whole day. Sunamask have got stores all over the UK, so chances are wherever you're watching this from, they've probably got a store near you. And if not, they're also online based as well. So there's no reason for you not to get it. And if you don't know what fragrance you want to get, I suggest going to the store, checking them all out and seeing which one you like the most. So get your Sunamask fix today and use the code CEOCAST15 for 15% off your purchase. Give, give me an example then because we're in your store right now and as you can see we've got a whole selection of beautiful watches here yeah um, obviously you've had to buy all of these yeah so tell me this this whole shelving unit what's the stock value that you're holding here right now about it could be uh, approximately 10 million okay now yeah yeah what's the most expensive one here um, I, see, I see Richard Mill there, so... Yeah, Richard Mill, that's nice. Yeah. This is an RM 1102, yeah. full titanium. You see, the, see that 5711-14? Uh, yeah. That's the olive green 5711, uh, 5976, right? These are all hype pieces, as we call that, right? Yeah. But I want to draw your attention to some other pieces, which are 10 times more important, which is actually the pieces that I love the most in the world. Are we talking up here? The vintage Daytonas. I think this is one of the one of the most craziest collections of vintage Daytonas you you'll ever see in your life. Why is that? What makes this one so special? <laughs> because when is the last time anyone has ever seen a fourteen carat six two six three? I mean, that's a reference number. Now I'm going specifically in details. Yeah. Um, there hasn't been a full 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 set six two six three, fourteen carats, so or made it not in eighteen, but made in fourteen carats. So it was only made for the American market. Yep. In years, mate and probably eight years and there's one full like, set yeah and no like let me tell you one thing we sell in the shop and this is not an advertisement but in the shop we sell anything from a thousand pounds upwards to a couple of million and some really really insane heavy hitters so like peace uniques uh, one-offs um, comexes fully stickered kermits the yeah. first series of the kermit um to um uh, george daniels to mm uh fp journe to extreme and and i think that that is uh, like i don't think that there's a place in the world where you have that range from you go in and you can buy a watch in hamilton at six seven hundred quid yeah or a tech hoyer at twelve hundred quid but also george daniels at two on two million quid yeah that's my <laughs> I, mean? I don't think that there's any place like that uh exists and, I, and that, that 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 has been the biggest dream of my life that has been this is this is like what you see here is my life. So literally anyone can walk in here with any sort of price in their head. Yeah. And you know, you'd be able to cater for them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Which, which is a beautiful thing because most places that you can go to, um, you know, starting price minimum, two grand, three grand. And that's a retail. <laughs> yeah, but like, I mean, um, listen, like I, for me as a business, and we've, we've, we've had this discussion a good amount of times as I always talk highly about Casio being got here. Yeah. Um, we had conversations that were going to stock Casio, but in a way, it's, it's, it's going to interrupt our, um, our operation um, because it, there's a lot of work that comes to play you have to do. But I do want to start at a lower price point um, so we can cater for the entire range. Yeah. Uh, but Casio for me is got here still. Like, but I, it's just hard to stock that. You know what, what I mean? What makes it god tier though? Because I mean, when I was in school, I mean, everyone was rolling around with, uh, you know, G-Shocks. Exactly. So what, what makes it god tier? Ch childhood memories. Childhood memories. It doesn't matter what. Well, it doesn't matter how old you are. Yeah. It doesn't matter from what financial background you come from or what what status. You, you could get one. 
you have a G-Shock. You owe, like, you, that's a fact. You can be the richest guy on the planet, you have a G-Shock, or you can be the guy on the street next door uh, who has a G-Shock. G-Shock, yeah. Or a, a Kazi. That's God there. And it, like, I have incredible memories with, like, a, like, the remote control watch where he just changed channels and neighbors and stuff. I want to say that's where a lot of people probably got into watches in terms of having the passion for it, uh, in terms of my age group. You know, and then growing that passion into eventually Rolex and six form. I remember there was a lot of people, um, don't ask me how they got them, in six form wearing Rolexes and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it was crazy, crazy, crazy times. Aye. You know, you mentioned there, full set, right? So if yeah. people don't un- actually understand, what is a full set? A full set means that, that every bit of documentation that the watch came with, when the watch left the shop for the first time, in this case, in 1978, yeah. is still present. You have everything with it. Everything. Meaning Even the box, the receipt. papers, receipts. Receipt, box, papers, everything. And what does that actually add value to the watch? Massively in a vintage watch. If it didn't have a full set, uh, how much would it be? I think if that watch didn't have a full set, it would st- it's still an insanely rare watch, right? 14 carat. To give you an idea, the 14 carat alloy was only made for the American market because in the late 70s, the import tax on gold was extremely high, yeah. right? In America. So the, the Rolex Daytona wasn't popular at all. It was a lesser watch than their competition. Because they couldn't really sell it. Uh, no one really wanted that watch. And then with 18 carat being the import tax being so high, yep. the watch was going to be priced higher than, than its entire competition. Um, so therefore they made that watch in 14 carat for the American market. Now, the watch itself is extremely rare because of that story, right? Because there's only, so there's probably in that reference number only like 20 or, or 30 ever produced, right? Um, making, making that for a watch now being still in pristine condition, mm. insane. So right? true. Yeah, go on. That watch therefore is naked worth probably between 400 and 500,000 pounds. Now being a full set, having everything, uh, when you bring that to auction and someone wants it, someone wants that. So they will go as much as they want. want. Yeah. Bloody hell, I didn't think it was going to be that much. Like, I mean, you, would, you wouldn't give it in the first glance, but it's, yeah. it's, the, it's the significance, the importance. And, and, and as well, that, the Daytona is one of the most important watches ever created. Mm. I mean, introduced in 1963. Insane. I think it was, was it on your video? I mean, it must have been. You're the only watch video channel that I watch, right? That wasn't meant I to mean, be a pun, but... You need to watch the others as well, mate. I, I do watch, sometimes, but watch Roman, as well. Watch, you need to watch Roman. Watchfinder is very good. A watchfinder you'll learn a lot from, but... Uh, but uh, the thing is, the, the knowledge is one thing, but then, you know, the man behind it, the entertainment uh, makes, I makes it... I appreciate the support. The, the knowledge thing, right? So what was I uh, going to say off the back of that? Uh, was it uh, Daytona had to have an anniversary soon or something like that? Yeah, so um, the Daytona was first introduced in 1963. Yep. Um, in 2013, they introduced, uh, to celebrate the 50th anniversary, yep. um, uh, the Platinum Daytona, the Platona, um, a watch that nobody wanted, by That's the way. That's funny, I saw it on, uh, you done this video with Supercar Blondie and she held on, right? Yeah, yeah, nobody wanted that watch, same as that no one wanted the Daytona in the beginning of it anyway. Yeah. Um, and, and now today, it's one of the most sought after watches in the world. So what you think, because that was 50th and you're saying with 60th, they'll yeah, yeah. bring another one. They'll, I, I expect that we're going to see a change in the Daytona line. Yeah. I hope they're going to increase the case size. They've done this before. This is 37 mil, as you can see. Yeah. This is 1987. This is my birth year, 6265. Yeah. So this is from my birth year. Uh, full set as well. <laughs> 
This one is not for sale, to be honest. Is it not? No. 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 I thought everything would be for sale. Yeah. No. Dream on. Uh, <laughs> was, certainly, someone could come along with a price, and you could be like, okay, you know. What? For me to find another six two six five in nineteen eighty seven as a full set is gonna be probably impossible. Okay. So, so for you, you'd rather keep it. But like, I mean, like, there's no point in selling it because I can't replace it. Yeah. I will not be able to replace that. It's not like a modern Rolex, right? Where you could just you could buy another one, yeah. Right, or you 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 look for a day and you find it. You see what I mean? It's easy enough. This is stuff that's not being produced anymore. Yeah. And an all original, original bezel, original dial, original hands. Like this is how it came out of the shop for the first time. Mm. Like that's just that will be like I genuinely think that's going to be impossible. So we were talking about Rolex off camera earlier this morning, and we'll get to that later on. But before I do, I just wanted to ask, right? What does a typical transaction for you look like on a day-to-day basis? For my business or for me? Let's do business and then you. Um, it depends. Like buying or selling. Buying or selling. So um, if people want to sell their watch, they usually go to our, uh, to our website, prideandpinion.com. We have, a, we have a, a form and people fill that in. That goes automatically into our database. Yeah. And then I have uh, two people that are chasing that up every day. So we get about 150 uh watches offered a day um and it's extremely intense and um recently on google reviews people say it takes too long to reply and i leave a bad review and i'm like yeah but like i'm trying to do everything i can to facilitate that Mm. right because we're 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 still a very small team we've about like in the office about 12 people so um plan eventually to be to recruit more people for that purpose yeah you see what i mean And, and we're working on that but um, that's how people sell or people walk to uh, or go into our shop mm. now our shop was always very very busy um, and we couldn't really put the right attention because I think that it's it's massively important that that someone that walks in here and parts with their harder money that they need to get the right in t- uh, attention right. and therefore um, I don't want people to be rushed to the full shop because it's a small shop as well People feel rushed. I, I, we, we, we introduced a, um, a uh, appointment system. So um, from Monday, Monday and Tuesday, the shop is closed. The shop is closed um, only for appointments only. Mm-hmm. So, the, so there, you need to book a specific appointment. From Wednesday to Saturday, the shop is open, normal. But we're going to screw that down to as well, appointment only. Okay. And then um, we have inside sales. Um, that sell watches all over the world in our office. So we have one, two, three, four, four salespeople uh, on the floor that actively sell across the world. And then we have people in the shop as well. How's that work? Do they end up calling up uh, current clients? Uh, uh, We get a lot of DMs on Instagram. Uh, We get a lot of, uh, we have a live chat. Uh, We have emails, inquiries. It's it's massive, massively busy. Like you, you felt the vibe in the office, mate. It's, it's I love the vibe, man. Like I said, uh, you know, if everyone comes in for, you know, or smashes, I suppose it's good in a sense, yeah, right? Because if you've got a new member of staff that joins yeah. and you say, come, go on, I'll play you to pool. Yeah. And then they get murked, but then they show that, you know, the boss like, is having that sort of banter with them. And then yeah. it brings the team together in that sense. For me, it's very important, right? The team is the backbone of, of my organization, right? Yeah. So the team is the most important. It's not about me, it's about us. And we make decisions as a team. It's not that I, as a CEO, makes the decision. Mm. We do that as a team. And um, that is, that's just massively important. And yeah. I think the balance that we have in a team from very young, uh, very young and, unexper- and, and unexperienced, but extremely driven, yeah. right? To someone that worked for 12 years for Patek Philippe, to someone that ran 
say 40, 50 retail shops, my, my right-hand man, yeah. um, my operations director, Stephen. Um, like we have the perfect balance, right? And, and that is something that is very important for me, the culture and the balance, mm. right? Um, young guys that are eager, that are hunger uh, to succeed, not the guys that have the best grades on school, just the people that love watches the most. Is it, is it specifically young people? Yeah. Why is that? Because... Is it more because they, they, you know, they're starting out in their life and they you know, have more drive naturally? No, it's, it's, it's not like, like, what is the definition of young? I feel young as well, you see what I mean? But you wouldn't see a, a 50, 60 year old like in, in our business, mm. um, like actively in our yeah. business. And that's not because we don't want that. It's because we just never got to speak with someone that is as passionate about watches in that age group. You see what I mean? But as well, um, I, I think the balance in our team and going out for pints on a Friday or going to football together, um, outside of work, the guys are very active with each other as well, and, and the same as me and Steven. Uh, yeah, so yeah. it should be in business. So we've talked about a bit about business, now we know where the watch market is, now we know what kind of stocks we've got, right? Yeah. I want to throw it all the way back, so if people have been paying attention to yourself on socials and stuff like yeah. that, they would know, I mean, even though we're in Belfast right now, yeah. you, you're not originally from Belfast, you're not originally no. Irish, right? No. You're originally from where? I'm born and raised in Amsterdam, so born and raised in the Netherlands, yeah. I'm Dutch. Moved from the Netherlands when I was 25. Eh? So what was your whole upbringing like then? Talk to me about that. When was your first time you piqued interest in watches? What, what was your childhood like? School life? I, I had a wonderful childhood, right? I had the best parents in the world. Uh, they still are, by the way. Mm. And um, no, my, my, parents, my parents were hardworking people. Um, I, lower, mid lower middle class. When I was born, when my sister was born, my parents were in proper poverty. Um, but when I was born, lower middle class, um, and my father's a hardworking man, worked seven days a week, and uh, that was the attitude. That that's how he brought me up. He's like, "You're fucking working, you're fucking working," <laughs> and uh, that that was me. So I'm I'm a workhorse. I work seven days a week, mm. um, and and yeah, that that's what I got from him. My mom was a nurse, and she was a very caring person. He's a very caring person, and listen. Um, we didn't have much money, but if I wanted something, like, I mean, I had to work for it, you know? Yeah, of course, yeah. So, uh, yeah, my parents, incredible people. Um, I'm very, very grateful with the upbringing that I had. Um, I personally, I just struggled a lot in school. Right? A lot. I what, struggled like, a lot. Um, with grades and stuff? or I'm Not really with grades or anything like that. I, 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 would, I would not say that I would be the smartest kid, um, but I would definitely not be the dumbest. I would... I would have skipped classes. I would, you know what? I would be, mm. uh, I would be all right, but I just couldn't be arsed. I was bored. I was always bored, and uh, yeah, then I done things I shouldn't be doing. I don't regret a fucking thing, may I add? <laughs> why, is that? why do you not regret anything? It's because why would I regret anything that I've done? You can better regret the things that you haven't done than the things you have done. Yeah. I mean, fuck it, right? The world is your oyster. You need to. You need to fucking do everything you can, and you need to enjoy every second of it. And it's like, what the fuck? Is, why do why do I regret my youth, or why would I regret my my school career? Leaving school at the age of sixteen, um, no no diploma, nothing. Like I mean, I I never felt as a kid that I fitted in anywhere anyway. So the educational institution is to make sure you fit in something, to fit in a job, 
I, I fucking never fitted in any job <laughs> because I was fired from every job. So <laughs> same as me. <laughs> uh, I mean, I was a disaster. So um, like, I mean, school was just not for me. No. So you mentioned there that you know that you left school at sixteen, right? Yeah. So what was your choice for not going to college? Because I just didn't want to. Oh, you just did. No, I was an ignorant prick, okay. uh, and uh, not a teacher in the world would ever be able to say anything to me, and I didn't believe anything. I was just like. Oh, mate, I was, I was a prick. Like, I genuinely was a prick at school. My sister became a teacher. And I uh, don't know why. <laughs> I actually don't know why. Do you tell her that now? No, like, I mean, <laughs> I was such a disaster. Like, it's unbelievable. You know? Uh, so then when did you move off to Belfast? When I was 25. 25? Okay, yeah. so that's some years after. In that period between when you were 16 and 25, what were you doing? Just constantly working? Just shitty jobs, mate. Like, call center, McDonald's. Worked for my father in his shop. He sold photo cameras. Um, just other stupid stuff. Bro, get myself into trouble mostly. Like So just shitty jobs. And like, I fucking hated it. I fucking hated life, mate. I genuinely hated life. Yeah. Like, what the fuck am I doing here? And I hated the environment I was in. And I, I, I need a change. And I always, as a kid, right? As a kid, I always wanted to live in a different country. For some reason, I always said this, right? And my, my parents my parents said at the age of fucking six or something. I don't know if that's true, but that's what they told me. <laughs> age of six, I said, I'm going to move to America when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm old or whatever, when I'm older. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, never been in America at, at that time. What the fuck do I know? <laughs> Looking backwards, now being in America every month. Who the fuck wants to live there? Like, you see what I mean? No, 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 joking. But I, uh, I always, I, I, I clearly never felt at home, to be honest, no. Okay, so then you got your, your I mean, you told me off camera, you, you told, sorry, packing your bags, all that stuff. No, it was saying. I was going to say, so, you know, you told me off camera earlier when we were, well, basically, let me put it straight to the audience because they're going to be thinking what's going on right now. We've been together since nine o'clock and the time's currently, we've been together today for six hours, right? Yeah. So, you know, we've had this conversation off camera, yeah. obviously naturally you asked the questions, right? Yeah. And you told me that you packed up your bags and you literally left Netherlands. Yeah. Right? You know, yeah. and plans to travel. Yeah. And ended up here. Yeah, that was funny. I, um, I bragged my way into my, my, my sister's husband. Um, gave me a Volvo V40, yep. uh, a green thing, completely beaten up, but mechanically fucking perfect. And I was, supposed to, I, I was supposed to pay that off. I think I never paid it off, to be honest. <laughs> but I was, he gave me that, he was a car mechanic and he gave me that okay. car. My mom gave me 2,000 euros and um, I just left. I just packed the car up with my stuff. My most valuable thing was my PlayStation 4. PlayStation 4 at the time, or was it? Yeah, it was I think a PlayStation 4. You took that with you? No, PlayStation 3. It was 2013. I remember that because the PlayStation 4 came Just out, come out then. that, that year, year yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And um, um, that was that was all I had: some pillows and shit, and that was me. I was uh, I was done done with this life, um, and I just wanted to see the world. The first place I stopped was Belfast. And I fucking never left. So what did you do? You drove from from Netherlands, Amsterdam, yeah. and then where from there? Amsterdam, there's a there's a there's a there's a harbor village, harbor town called Eimuiden, yeah. close to Amsterdam. There's a boat going from Eimuiden to Newcastle. Yeah. It's an overnight boat, and from Newcastle, it's four and a half hours to Kern Ryan in Scotland, and I took a ferry there to Belfast. Okay, so you you drove intentionally straight to Belfast. Yeah, because I wanted to be on a ferry. I wanted to discover Ireland yeah. for some reason. 
And you didn't think about stopping in Scotland? Because obviously, you know, you're going to no, Scotland like, I mean, away. Not really, no. No? No, not really. Uh, like, I would have, I just wanted to go on a ferry. I just, <laughs> I, I, it was not the destination that mattered. It was the, the actual journey, being on a ferry, driving with the station wagon. Did you go on your own? What? Did you go on your own? Uh, say that again? Did you go on your own? To yes, yeah, yeah. I went alone, yeah. How was that? Was it, what, scary, when you, when you were traveling, what was you thinking at the time? Scary as fuck. I had a girlfriend at home at the time. And um, yeah, it was just weird. I just wanted, you know, I just needed to leave, right? So yeah. I'd done everything I needed to do to leave. And I knew that the, the girlfriend I had at the time, uh, like, I mean, I knew that that, like, if that was 100% serious for me, I would have never left. But I, ne- I just needed change in my entire life. My social circle, the, some negativity around me. And it was just, I just need to leave here. I could just imagine, uh, I don't know why it came to my head, I could just imagine her watching this right now. <laughs> you know, the uh, uh, she, uh, whatever. <laughs> That's her problem, not mine. <laughs> yeah, so then you came to Belfast, right? Yeah. And then obviously you didn't start your business there and then, pride and no, opinion. No. Yeah. Go. So like, what was your first step for when you had $2,000, or yeah. 2,000 euros, sorry. Yeah. Um, obviously you had your Volvo, you had your prized possessions. So what did you do? Then when you got here, when right, you I needed to get a job. Yeah. Right. I, I arrived in Belfast. And accommodation, right? Yeah. So I stayed in Premier Inn on um, fuck how you call that road. Don't matter. Doesn't matter. Anyways, around the corner. Yeah. And I remember paying forty five pounds a night. Right. So I was calculating how long can I stay there. Right. And for me, it was just I wanted to just discover the city. And all of a sudden, it was just like the first night. I I remember this yesterday. We drove the same road, by the way coming into uh, Belfast, I purposely always drive that road because that is the road from the port mm-hmm. going into Belfast. And there's a there's a quicker road, to be honest, but I always take that road. Oh, you're saying the road we went on this yeah. morning? Yeah, so that's the road that I, that was the first road time that I drove you... into Belfast. And um, I arrived there at like in around six o'clock in the evening and uh, parked the car, went to the, went to the hotel, parked the car, and then went for a walk. And the hotel was next to the city center, and I just fell in love with the city. I just fell in love with it. People were unbelievable, and uh, um, met a girl, uh, met a girl there that night, and uh, kind of turned out into a relationship of six years. And uh, that was scary, mate. That was scary. What, seven, six? seven years, six or seven years, six years. Your current? Fuck, I can't. No, 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 no. That was. Just, <laughs> Fuck that. So what? So when? So I, I don't know if you want to keep this on camera anyway, but just for me to understand. So when you came here the first night, essentially you met yeah. her there. Didn't I met you? a girl, yeah. So what? Did you stop staying in the Premier Inn and then stay at her house or something? No, no. I got I got myself a shared accommodation. Okay. So I got myself shared accommodation, and and because of her, I wanted to stay. Yeah. So I needed to find a job. Okay. <laughs> so then, what did you find? Uh, just a call center job. Call center, yeah. Yeah. How much was that paying per hour and all that sort of stuff like? Was it just a normal? 14,000 sterling a year. That was what I was making. Is it? Okay. Yeah, 14,000 sterling a year. Was that full-time as well? Yeah, full-time. Customer service for Apple support. It's a company called Concentrix here. I was fired after three weeks. Why? I don't know. Because I was a dick. I was probably a dick. I'm just trying to think at the time. What was minimum wage in? Like, is 14 grand uh, like... I wouldn't know. I'm, it was about... Just over a thousand pounds I got a, a month or something. That's in 2013, right? Yeah. 2013. I think that's about average. I don't know. I don't know. 14,000 pounds a year. Concentrics. Yeah. That's mad. So then you, what, you, so you got fired after that. Yeah. And then what? 
Because, you know, the second you get fired, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you must be thinking in your head, like, what do I do now? Where do I go from here sort of thing? I found a lead generation company uh, called MRP at the time, and then I joined them. Yeah. And uh, the re- relationship became quite serious. So she moved in with me and my wee place after three months, after about three months, just got into that new job at MRP. Mm-hmm. And... Hated every second of it. Absolutely hated every second of it. Well, from the from the get go. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking hell, I hated that job. What did you do? Leave straight away or? No, I just I was always late. So at a certain point, they just fired me as well. So what year is that? That that would have been same year. 15, Fourteen. Fourteen. I. Yeah. Going into fourteen. Yeah. And you didn't start a private opinion up until six years ago, right? So what's seventeen? Two thousand seventeen. Yeah. So then three years still of what? Just still working, hustling. No, I, I got a job offered and in, in, in you're missing three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a job, right? So uh, after MRP, right? After that second call center job, it was a bit desperate because I was like, fucking hell, second job I was fired from. Right, fucking shit. Did you not occur to you at the time, you know, thinking, you know, obviously I know that you had a girlfriend at the time and, you know, situations, all that sort of stuff, but I mean, you might have thought in your head that, you know, fuck it, let me just go back to Amsterdam. No, never. No? No, no, I, I couldn't. I was no, I couldn't let, let my parents down. No, I couldn't let my dad down because he made this comedy back in three months, mm. and I was like, "Fuck you, I won't." <laughs> you see what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> the pride. And I'm like, I was. Listen, at that at that at that time, I was I was lazy as I was lazy as fuck. I just I was I wasn't doing what I loved, right? Yeah. In the meantime, I was always hustling, like fixing watches and taking watches apart, replacing batteries for people, put it on Gumtree and say. Okay, please, uh, like I can help you out. You see what I mean? So I, mean, I was making a few quid with that. But then, um, and this is quite the big change for me, I was approached by Vodafone in Dublin. But like Dublin, Belfast, is like an hour and a half drive. Yep. No, it's a, yeah, it's an hour and a half, 90 minutes. Um, so I wanted that job and it was, the, the manager was an absolute legend and I was, I've always been very honest. I said, listen, the fire from every job, not that I, could, not that I can't sell a fucking thing, mm. but because it's just, I'm a problem. He says, I'm a problem too, so I think we'll, we'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. And for the first time in my life, someone really gave me this opportunity, right? And it was just, I, could, I was able to be myself and um, never moved to Dublin. I moved closer to the border where my, my ex was from. Yep. So she was from a, a, a town called Banbridge. So was that, is that closer to yes, Dublin? Yes, clo- closer to Dublin. So it was an hour uh, and, fi- and 15. Okay. Or something like an hour and 15 uh, away. And uh, I drove that every single day. That's not that bad, hour and 15. That's like going from east uh, to west London. That's the thing when there's no cars on the road. But the M50 at Dublin is like a fucking sitting parking lot. It's fucking ridiculous. Like equivalent to M25. Oh, it's, it's the worst road I've ever been on. Yeah. Right. And then every day, right? Hmm. So uh, from County Down, from Bambridge County Down to Kern, to Carrick Mines, uh, Junction 15 on the M50. So what was that? As a sales job? Yeah. Inside sales. First sales support, then lead generation. Then account management. Mm. I made a few promotions. Okay, okay. The first time I was in a job for more than three years. Okay, so you were there for the remainder oh, of the three yeah, years? Oh, yeah, yeah. Fucking class, mate. Did you like it? Enjoy it? Or? No, I fucking hated it. But I loved the people I was working with. Yeah. And that was the difference, right? I, yeah. I was just... I didn't... Like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I'm just a lead general. I'm just selling something I don't give a shit about, right? Yeah. Just working with things I don't give a shit about. 
And that was the big, big mistake I've made for most of my life. I've never, fo- I've never followed my passion. And that's why I'm a late bloomer, as I call that. I never fucking followed my passion uh, until I was 29. But my last year at Vodafone or my last six months was a hell. It was an absolute hell. Was it? Yeah. And uh, um, because the, the team changed, the manager that hired me was away. The team I was in, a few of them were absolute fucking cunts. They exclude you. I was ignored for nearly... That eight. was exactly like my experience in... Because uh, I used to work in... Um, Vod- not Vodafone, Carlton Warehouse. Ah. Right? So same sort of job, you know, same sort of environment. You don't actually care so much about the job, but the people that you're with ah. always have the same mentality. You, you know, you're having banter, you're enjoying people's company and whatnot. And then the same thing with me. In the last year of working... Uh, they changed everything, whole management, people, uh, everything like that. It all changed. I always felt misunderstood. Yeah. Maybe it was, maybe I was misunderstood. Maybe it was just inside me. I don't know. I don't give a shit. It's the past. Who cares? Yeah. But for me, I've done my, I've earned my stripes there. I've done well. And um, I left, um, I left using the front, front door. Yeah. First time in my life, by the way, where I wasn't fired. You left yourself. Yeah. Funny, actually, because I drove in. Uh, i never forget this because this is insane. On the 1st of September, 2017, I drove in the office and I was the first one there. And um, the parking lot was just empty. And I was always touring with the idea or the, the last couple of months, I'm just going to quit my job, but I can't just quit it. I can't just do that. I need to quit my job. And I need to fucking do... No, I just... All of a sudden, I just dawned to me. Drove in, was the first one there. Uh, we have these cards. Oh, open the, the door of the garage. Go in the lift. Open the door upstairs. Walked in. Look left. Look right. I'm done. I'm done. This is it. Yeah. I don't give a shit what happens next. I was so incredibly unhappy. That was insane. It was like, if this is life, life is a lie. So I don't need this life. I don't want this life. Same when I was 25 when I left the Netherlands. Exactly that feeling um, um, is what I had. So I just said, done. I just quit my job here, done and dusted. What was the next step for you after that? <laughs> the way, <laughs> the drive back home. Oh yeah, apart from that, yeah. The drive back home, <laughs> yeah. because it was like, what the fuck? Yeah. And my first stop was at the bank. Were you still with your girlfriend when you left? Yeah. What did you, did you, did Mate, you, I didn't tell her for three months. Did you not? No. So what, you were, don't tell me you were doing the same trip all the time. No, mate. So I quit my job to sell watches. Yeah. Right? Fact. I was like, you know what? And I toured with the idea for years before, right? For years before. I was like, I need to do something with watches. But I never had fucking money in my pocket, mate. Mm. I never had money in my pocket. I had a fuck. Rolex wasn't normal in my family, right? Yeah, no. So it was like, what the fuck am I doing? Quit my job. Past the AIB bank, right, which was at the premises in Garrick Mines, um, when you drive out, is on the right. Um, and it literally said a big adver- advertisement as if it had to be that way. Loan approved within five minutes, maximum 40,000 euros. So I, I, I walked in, I was like, I'm going to apply for 40,000 euros. And he looked at me, he was like, nah, don't do that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, uh, he said, I, you actually need to do that online on the online portal. So I, I'm sitting there in the parking lot, <laughs> on, on still my Vodafone laptop, applying, done, 20,000 euros approved, done. Yeah. Then I drove home. And then you would have had all your salary saved up as well, which you almost Yeah, no, I, n- barely, I didn't have any savings, mate. Oh, did you not? No, 20,000 euros is what I started with. So when you were working those three years, was that just basically covering living costs, essentially? Yeah. 
Yeah, my missus, my missus at the time, yeah. she was studying to become a doctor. Yeah. So I provided for both of us, and and I was making a good salary, mate. I wasn't that bad. Like it was not minimum wage, but like um, it was just very expensive, and we had two dogs, and, and it was just chaos. And and to be honest, I am very grateful for that 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 happened, and everything happened there. Mm. Well, the funny bit is, I, I I never told her, so I was like, yeah, I'm working from home, I'm working from home, I'm working from home. So she never knew until I had to tell her. It's like, she's like, what the fuck are you doing? You're still in pajamas at fucking 10 o'clock. And I'm like, I need why, to get my life. Why didn't you want to tell her? Because I wasn't, I was, it was a toxic relationship, mate. Because I always felt like I, because I don't have any qualifications and I like don't really have anything to show for. And she was going to become a doctor. Yeah. Like I felt like a failure, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I, I just always had to fight, like to try and match her level in that sense. Or yeah, like I, I didn't want to disappoint her. You see what I mean? And then, then I just realized that whole situation is quite toxic. Yeah. But you only know that afterwards. Not, yeah. You can only connect the dots looking backwards. Yeah, yeah for sure. Basically, and 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 that was my situation. Yeah. Just, wow, I've never spoken about that before. In fact, I want to ask you a camera. Obviously, I know you got a missus now, right? So, yeah, yeah. is she happy? If she watches this, is she happy? Oh, no, she's dead on, mate. No, she's dead on. Okay, she's just in case, I don't, I don't want to listen, pull the relationship drama. Listen, I put this in as well. She knows everything, <laughs> then. Okay, then that's fine. It's not on me. What's your missus' name? Uh, Migla. 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 Yeah. I didn't say it. <laughs> right, right. She's a star. Yeah, she's no. a star. That's good, that's good. So uh, when did you meet a, her? She's my backbone today. When did you meet her? Two and a half years ago, yeah, two and a half years ago, um, she kept on pestering me, and I was so focused in, on work, because this was the period just before COVID, yeah. um, and I was just so focused, I was just, I don't want a relationship, I want to ride, you see what I mean, I just want to fucking ride, mate, I don't want relationships, fuck that, but she kept on pestering me, and at a certain point I was like, this girl's like me, doesn't give up. She just comes and comes and comes and um, not in a dirty way, by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she just keeps on. She doesn't give up, and and um, it took me. It took her about a year at least of pestering uh, that I was like, okay, we're we'll going on a date. Now this was the weird thing. Like Christmas, I don't know which year this was, but I didn't want a Christmas tree or nothing. I was just focused, working. Fuck off! Don't want a Christmas tree. I just don't want distractions, working, working, working. Yeah. And all of a sudden I came home and for some reason she got the keys somehow. No, she was looking after the dog sometimes, so she had the set of keys. Okay, cool. Uh, from the back door and there was a fucking Christmas tree with presents. And I'm like, this girl's fucking nuts. I love it. <laughs> you see what I mean? <laughs> I love it. And, uh, and uh, uh, yeah, now we live together and, and we're expecting our first. So I'm be- becoming a dad. That, yeah. Congratulations. And, uh, thank you. Thank you. This is... Uh, literally a dream coming true yeah so as the sun comes out small businesses are back in business linkedin jobs makes it easier for you to find and grow your team it helps you find the right people faster and for free create a free job post in minutes on linkedin jobs to tap into the world's largest professional network with over 30 million people in the uk then simply add your job title in the purple hashtag hiring frame to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can find the right people for you simple tools like screening questions make it easier to focus on the candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire it's why small businesses 
competitors rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. So if you're looking to expand and grow your team, simply head over to linkedin.com forward slash CEO cast and you can post your job for free. Once again, that's linkedin.com forward slash CEO cast and post your job for free. It's crazy, yeah, because you know when, when I want to say hustlers are on the journey and all you want to do is work, you don't think about relationships at that point. So, you know, even though I know you, you, you said, you know, that she's on your level, she's just as persistent and whatnot, right? But what is it for you that made you want to jump into a relationship? I didn't want the relationship at all, you know. Mm. I didn't want it at all because it came from a relationship of hell. Yeah. Like I, she put me, my ex put me in a choice. Either you're going to choose your business or you're going to choose me. But you're going to quit your business when you choose me. I'm like, that's fucking berserk. Oh, that was your ex? Yeah. Oh. Are you absolutely out of your mind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see what I mean? And, but like the Nico two years before that would have said yes. You see what I mean? But it was now time for me. I knew that it was just the right time for me. It was my time now. She studied and whatever. She, she became a F1 doctor, for the first foundation year doctor. It was now my time, right? And uh, that relationship obviously ended. Uh, chose the business uh, quite clearly. And, <laughs> and um, my missus, Migla, my missus now, like, she is like the business number one because that's the future of our family. So I'm like, she's the business number one. And she knows that. And she she says that herself. And that. if in, like I don't say that, she says that. The business is number one, then it's then it's me. Last little partner that you'd want. Yeah, that's it. Because this is this is my life. This is legacy level. This is like I want my future, I want my kids to be working in in the company. You see what I mean? I don't want to force them into anything, <laughs> but you see what I mean? I wanna I wanna this is this is I don't, I'm not looking to retire on a few watch deals. Yeah. I'm trying to build a proper watch trading company with a retail presence and everything, everything, all the bells and whistles around it. Well, similar to like a, like a watch finder. Yeah, like, yeah, but I want to beat watch finder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll believe the name. I want to I wanna beat watch finder and I'm going to beat watch finder yeah. the next two, two and a half years. Because yeah. they're, they're almost like a, how do you explain it? What's the best way to explain it? Because it's almost like a... Watchfinder is an incredibly, incredibly good company yep. that sells certified pre-owned watches, right? Yeah. And they're incredible, right? And they've just... Stuart, Stuart and Matt, I believe, I think his name is Matt, built the company up together. Mm-hmm. Um, sold to Richemont about three years ago, two or three years ago. Oh, did they? Yeah. So it's now owned by Richemont. Yeah. Uh, Richemont owns J.J. Uh, Lecoultre, Cartier, yeah. IWC. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roger Dubois, so uh, it's a clever move from Richemont, but that also means that there's a different type of drive in that company, right? Yeah, it's not the same guys, the steward. Uh, it's not the same that, passion. That it's not the same passion. passion. It's now corporate, and this is where I feel that we can win massive ground. Hmm. Is because our our company is driven by passion. We have probably the biggest reach in the world in our industry, um, and I'm I'm like if we look at the amount of followers, views, subscribers. Um, I just looked at our count um, on YouTube today, the last 48 hours, we've done 4.5 million views. That, 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 oh, yeah, sorry, over 48 hours. 48 hours that get, they get to see the name Pride and Pinion and, and get to see what we actually do. Yeah. Um, I mean, my ambition is, is there. I, I want to be, be the number one and, and, and that means that we're going to have to beat Watchfinder, but I respect Watchfinder a lot. I respect uh, Stuart, who built the company, Matt, um, and the guys within Watchfinder, Andrew Morgan, the guy uh, with the hands, the YouTube channel. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, uh, I, I've always very much looked up to them, and, 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 and now it's time for me to, uh, 
to go into that direction with the and, and let me tell you I have the right people around us uh, I have the right I have the right people around me to achieve that goal so yeah, yeah no you smashed it especially with the YouTube stuff as well I mean you know the vision and everything all coming together the YouTube yeah. custom 700,000 subscribers 715 today yeah. 16. 716 now. Yeah. Flipping, yeah. I just keep growing, isn't it? Yeah, but that, that, that is subscribers. That's, that's subscribers on a YouTube channel. That's separate, no, 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 right? Of course, of course, business, I know, but it, it relates in that sense, you know, because like you said, 4.8, or I think it was a million views on the last 48 hours are hearing and seeing that's, an opinion. That's just YouTube. Yeah. Like, if I go to our website right now, I'll probably have 50, 60, 70 people on the website right now yeah. looking at watches, right? And there's a lot of things, a lot of steps we need to do better, right? Because, to give you an idea, Tesla is not a car company. Tesla is a data company, right? People don't realize that. But they're actually a data company, right? I thought you were just going to say tech company. Mm, I, would, I would call them more data company. But we'll get to that later. For, for, me, for me, that is what we want to achieve as well. I want to become, I want to I I have data. It's, 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 all about, it's all about being able to analyze the market, being able to see where the prices are, making processes very smooth, making automatic quotes, uh, making processes very easy. Mm. But next to all that easy processes and stuff like that, I want to have the personal touch and I want my team to be on top of that. Yeah. So let's dive it back because we left off at the point where you know you got approved for a 20 grand loan. Right? Yeah. So 20,000 yeah. pounds, what did you do with 20,000 pounds? Uh, bought a Tudor, bought a Rolex 116234, uh, they just 36 mil black Tudor, out, like Jubilee bracelet. Hmm? What's Tudor one like that? Tudor Pelagos. Okay. And a Bretling Nevitimer D23323. D2, uh, the gold 42 millimeter gold and steel white dial yellow gold bezel. Yeah. And did that all total to 20 grand? Hmm? All total to 20 grand? Yeah, 20 grand and a bit of change, I think. Okay, so what was your, where was your step from there? Because you know, you got Open an watch. Instagram account, yeah. yeah. So you, you bought the watches first before opening an Instagram account? Yeah. And yeah. How, how easy or how hard was it to sell those watches? It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah, why yeah. so? But I kept on saying, I can't like, let down my ex or my partner, I can't let down my father. And it was like, it's hell, mate. Because I just posted photos and nothing fucking worked and nobody really cared. And then I had 10 followers and 20 followers and mm. 25. And then it's like, I don't want to talk in camera, but I have to speak in camera. Yeah. And I still have my first video here. My first ever video. What, on your phone? Yeah, it's a reminder of where I have, where it's a, it's a, it's a reminder of of where you come how from. far I came from, yeah. I've still got the video of me getting fired from my workplace. I recorded it. <laughs> I still yeah? got my phone, yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, that's not something I would share, but... No, 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 I'm not going to share it, but I mean, uh, This is the first ever video on Instagram stories I took. It is embarrassing as fuck. Let me tell you, embarrassing as fuck. Um, While you're finding that, let me ask you, how long did it eventually take you to sell those watches? First watch I sold after two months, I made 50 quid. Um, also, I bought a Speedmaster. I just seen that photo here. That Speedmaster that was here. I just wore that Speedmaster. This was in October 2017. Sold the Bretling here. Yeah. October 2017. If you want these photos, I'll send them to you. Um, that's Tom. That's Tom Gannon. Yeah. Right? He's a good friend of mine. Very, very good friend of mine. And this is this was my second my my second ever customer. Second ever that's customer. That's where that's where it all started. And today he's still my customer. 
You know, the funny bit is, my first ever customers are still my customers. Yeah, it's yeah. insane. So this is the Pelagos I sold in October, 7th of October. Okay, yep. And that was this watch. That's a nice watch, yeah. And uh, I was fixing watches at the time as well, as you can see. Yeah. Um, but my first ever video was embarrassing as fuck. Where are you? Right. This is embarrassing. Fuck me, this is embarrassing. Um, but let me know. I'm going to put up a poll asking uh, you if you would like to see more of this shit. So no. Um, I'm trying to give you guys a bit more insight um, into the watch world. Um, about watches we get in. Ah, uh, we get in. It was just me. I hope to tell you a bit more about the history of certain watches, etc. Yeah. No. How embarrassing is that? It's not embarrassing at all. But I mean, it's just the fact that you still have it, which is which is amazing. But you know what you just said there, saying, oh, it was just me. Why do you say we? Do you remember? I don't know. I just wanted to act bigger than I actually was. Probably that. Because that's what we all do. <laughs> when we have dreams, yeah. isn't it? Of course, of course. Today, really. I don't give a shit anymore. But I mean, that's what we all do when we want to achieve something, I think. I don't know where that comes from. It's a good, good, good question. Because I notice I do it sometimes as well. Like, I think when I emailed you, I would say... We want you to have you on the podcast. Aye. We want this. Per- we we want to do this. We want to do that. We mean me. Aye. Maybe. Well, I think of it as you can just put it on a on a on a typo uh, excuse. <laughs> I was typo mate. M is very close to the W. Uh, what kind of fucking <laughs> me want you on the podcast? <laughs> no, but I think it's a, it's just one of the ones where you you refer to you and and your company with the vision as not different. But I don't know how to explain it. Honestly, I don't know how to explain it. But we, like, it's. We'll cut that bit out then. No, no, leave it in. It's better. Yeah, you've got you to leave things natural in that. All right, that's it. So, <laughs> so, in 20 grand loan, how much did you make on that then? Don't know how much I made. Because I also got myself into trouble because I couldn't afford my rent okay. anymore after three months. Was there no income at all up until no, the point of. Um, no, I just quit my job there now. Yeah. Oh. So, I didn't have an income. Um, no, it was it was rough, like. And then the first watch took, took sorry, the first watch took two months to sell. Yeah. So then September that means to October, September, November, no September, October, November. So started on the first of September, seventeenth of seventeenth of October was the first sale. And that was fifty quid. What about fifty quid profit? I. And what about the uh, other watches? I don't really know. I I think I made a loss on that Rolex. To be fair. Yeah. About five hundred quid or something. Is it? Okay, yeah, I think I made a big, big loss on that. Where, where it really changed for me was when I got in touch with someone that called me where the local authorised dealer shafted him. Yeah. Um, and if I, want to, if, I, if I would be able to help him selling his watches on consignment, I'm like, of course we do that. <laughs> what the fuck do I know, you know? <laughs> you see? And, and that was where really the change was. All of a sudden, I had a lot of watches on consignment. Yeah. So where did the whole change for you? Where did the whole spin come for you when you started realizing, okay, because what did you feel like at the time when you made 50 pounds from a watch? I tried to find other watches on eBay. I, I wasn't in WhatsApp groups and stuff at all. You wasn't? No, mate. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think, 
I know I know a lot of watch dealers are always in the WhatsApp groups and stuff, so I well, I didn't start up with WhatsApp groups. The watch dealers today that start and become a they're they have an easy start. Invite, yeah, into it. They have an easy start. Immediately immediately a WhatsApp group. Now that didn't work for me, mate. You gotta build your own network and Fucking everything. easy fuckers. Yeah. If you wanna become a watch dealer, you need to do it the right way, the hustle way, you fucking ball bags. <laughs> you gotta advise them straight. What would you actually advise? Like, would that be your? Legit? Oh no, I would. I would genuinely advise from the bottom of my heart. Don't go into watch dealing. Like, is it? It's, no, it's tough, mate. It's fucking tough. The thing is, a lot of people, a lot of youngsters want to do it. Oh yeah, but like, I mean, that's fine. But yeah, you, know, you need to think. About, you need to stop thinking about yourself and think about uh, thinking about other people, mm. right? Because if you're gonna be one of the million people that wants to become a watch dealer by just opening an Instagram account, good luck to you. Or you can say to yourself and say, okay, how can I add value to this industry? Can I can I become the most knowledgeable person or share facts or and and you know what? And this pisses me off and it's pissed me off so last two years, right? People just start an Instagram account and then become watch dealers and say, This is a great investment, you need to buy this, you need to buy this, price will definitely rise. You're fucking lying. You see, these are watch dealers that are lying. That say this shit. Because they want to fucking, Because you can't predict that shit. Yeah. You can't. It's not a certainty. You don't know what's happening next week. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. And this is the fucking thing that pisses me off the most, right? Is watch dealers that literally misinform people for their own benefit. And now comes the thing, right? So still, there's a. So say there's a there's a watch dealer that just started off, got a watch in consignment, right? And you sell this watch, but there's something wrong with this watch. Maybe the movement is not even real like where's the customer going back to the seller but the seller can't really afford yeah, to take that watch well, back yeah, because yeah. he already already paid his other client you see what i mean yeah. so like there's only one person getting hurt there you see what i mean and that's the end consumer and 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 for me i'm like why like i heard many stories like that right uh, and for me it's very important like i i celebrate people that that love the passion of watches and want to go into watches i celebrate that but it needs to be for the right reasons and if you think that you're gonna make become rich becoming a watch dealer dream on because let me tell you one thing that's not what made that's not what brought me to where i am today let's put it that way what brought you to where you are youtube 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 changed my life changed my financial situation it gave me confidence I've never had before. It made me fat as well, as you can fucking see. Jesus Christ, I was skinny before. Um, Like, genuinely, genuinely, um, that gave me another chance in the watch industry. Like, I was, before COVID, I was selling watches, and I was doing very well, and I was still on the verge of bankruptcy. Bloody hell. People think that that the money is in watches. I buy a Submariner and flip it with 500 quid profit, mate. 500 quid profit. What's that Good today? Luck. No, not today, but that's average. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 500 quid, right? I need to give my customer two years warranty on that mm-hmm. for 500 quid. So anything that happens with that watch, I need to cover that. Fuck me, mate. Like, genuinely. It's what not the, the biggest profit margin then, is it? By the time, you know, if, if anything, God forbid, anything does go wrong with it, no. then, you know, that you've only got the 500 quid to play with, essentially. You see what the thing is, right? You make your money while buying the watch. That's yeah. where you make your money, right? So either you're a really good sales guy that buys the watches so sharp from your customers and is basically therefore shafting their customers because, like, I mean, you need to give them a fair price. Yeah. Um, or you're selling them way too high. And that's fine as well. But 
like for me, like pff, becoming a watch dealer, like we're solid now, right? As a business, we're solid. We have, the re- we have the reputation, we have the shop, we have the stock, we have the finances, we have everything now sorted, right? But if you told me to, ro- to walk this road again, mm-hmm. I would have said no, because it was, it, like it, it's been hell. Like. So even though you've been passionate about watches, if you- Oh yeah, no, I would do other things in the watch industry. I would, fi- I would keep on repairing watches. Yeah, 100%. Seriously? Yeah, because it was this tough. I thought you would have just changed a couple of things, a couple of strategies, but I didn't think you would say, you wouldn't do it? No, because I genuinely wouldn't do it. Bloody hell. So there's a lot of stress and a lot of... That's the thing, people don't see the disadvantages. That's why I wanted to get you on. You see people see the flashy shit and blah, 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 and all the... The cars you know, that come with it. The it's, it's the jewellery where people make money on, right? It's it's the jewellery, the jewellery, the iced out shit. That's where you make money on. Yeah. And guess the one thing I don't do? That. Jewellery and iced out <laughs> shit. So I am, I, I like... Our road is, my road, like the road of me, the road of my team, it's been absolutely rough in every way possible. But let me tell you one thing, it is the best job in the world in the end. For me, I, I'm gonna, I'm, I will die doing what I do every single day. I will die. This is, if it, this is the last thing I'll ever do in my life, yeah. Talk to me, you just mentioned that I out, right. If I wanted to put diamonds, I will, I will never do it because I don't, wanted rumors. No, because then I would first of all declare you crazy. Second of all, it would kind of be unique because I don't think that there's any iced out uh, uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't think it would do it anyway. Like, yeah. <laughs> but firstly, how much would it cost? And secondly, you know, two doesn't look bad example. I can ice that out for 1,750 quid XVAT today. Not today, it will not be finished yeah, today, yeah, but, but it will be, get it done, yeah. it'll take three weeks. Yeah. Two is not the greatest example because these wouldn't really go up in price anyway. So, and like, okay, let's, let's take a, um, let's just say someone's stupid enough to put diamonds on a Hulk. Yeah. Yeah. How much, same sort of price I'm guessing. Same sort of price. And how much does that affect the value of the watch? It would devalue the watch with 60%. Is it? Yeah. So what, the Hulks are currently worth about 23 grand, I want to say? 23, 24, aye, something around that, aye. Yeah. Bloody hell. Yeah. And then, uh, so good luck. 60s. Yeah. But listen, it's not about the devaluing of the, of the, of the actual watch. For me, the biggest problem and the, the thing I always try to have people always say, hey, he's a fucking extreme. Yes, I am. Because people flaxing, oh, look at this diamond fucking shit, acting like it's worth a fucking million when it's worth absolutely nothing. You see what I mean? That nothing. is the You're basically, oh, like all these people, like the island boys and rappers, rappers they're all fucking lying to an audience. Yeah. And now there's someone there that is actually telling the truth. You see what I mean? It's like, no, you're, no, no. These GQ videos, this is 90 grand. I'm like, mate, fuck off. Yeah, like you say in YouTube videos as well, you say it's fake, right? Yeah. Why? Because, like, this is a funny discussion I recently had with a UK dealer. I'm not going to name names. Yeah. But he said, yeah, yeah, this is, uh, uh, it's not fake. Why do you, he called me out on an Instagram post that someone else posted. Some big page posted that uh, video. And he called me out on that, but he didn't realize that I watch and see everything. So um, I immediately just replied as like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he's like, ah, this plonker, he knows nothing, right? A big UK uh, uh, seller in London. And I was like, uh, he's calling it fake when it's not fake. And And I just simply replied, who made that dial? Question mark. He's like, um... It, no, I, is, that, is, that, is that dial made by AP, question mark? He's like, no, of course not, because the tapestry on that dial, you can't put diamonds on there. And I'm like, so who made that dial? 
question mark. It's an aftermarket dial and this and that. But it says AP on the dial, right? On the PK, right? But AP didn't buy it, right? But it said, but AP didn't make it, right? Yeah. There you go. So it says AP, but AP didn't make it. Well, genuine then, isn't there it? There you go. Yeah. Good luck, right? So it's a fake fucking dial, right? The bezel's fake. That, that like dial, bezel. A lot of times they actually, mo- a lot of times they don't even use a genuine case because As I've seen it with the Richard Mills because they what they do is they get the cast swap the case, yeah, swap the case, and then so the, the fucking case way, is fake. Yeah, the fake the case is the, the case is the fake as well. Then all of a sudden we're talking about eighty percent of the fucking watch is fake, hmm. and the only thing that's real the movement. No, the watch is fucking fake because most of the watch is not made by the actual brand, yeah. and this is the point I tried to make. And listen, I understand it from from his perspective or this jeweler, and I understand it because. Like this was one of his clients that, that wore that watch. And, and yeah, me telling the truth about that can, will hurt and can yeah, hurt his business, which I can respect. And I, I don't want to hurt anyone's business, but I'm, like, I also don't give a shit about threats. And one thing I do give a shit about is my word and my author, my, me being real, right? Mm. I'm here to, I, I want to educate the watch world. I want to make an impact on the watch world by telling telling not just entertaining people but also educating people and this is part of that uh, educational uh, journey where i'm like people are just misinformed so okay what's the most expensive watch we've got here right now um you know what price is not the most important thing but i want to show you some really cool stuff stuff that, that the world has not seen before grab it and come back on the camera like for me for me talking about price, etc. <laughs> listen, you, so, listen. A watch is only as uh, listen. A watch is only worth as much as someone is willing to pay for it, right? Fact, right? And if there's a piece that is unique, or there's this piece unique, or it's a it's it's something that is extremely special, it's very hard to measure price, right? Because you can only really see that in auction. But the watch you see here has never seen a camera has never caught this watch on camera. This is the first time this watch has ever, ever been seen, right? On camera. This is a piece unique, Audemars Piquet Royal Oak, right? Made in full platinum, and look at the symmetry on the dial, right? Yeah, that does look beautiful. Looks beautiful. This is actually a watch that is based on the 25th anniversary of the Royal Oak in 1997. So what, what year is that, that watch in? That watch was officially uh, produced yep. the year prior for that. This watch was produced in 2006. And it's the first time it ever sees daylight. How it comes though? How, wow, that's quite hefty, you know? Oh, that's yeah. going to be quite light. This is the only, only watch ever produced. This is the, and it says... The, the, can can I face it on the camera then? You can show. Peace unique. In focus. Piece unique. This is, look at the case back. Automatic piece unique, yeah. <laughs> Aye. And you know what? This watch even got its own reference number. And it's the only watch in our reference number. So how much Made it full platinum. Full platinum as well. Like, it's actually hefty, you know? That's, the heaviest, the... that's heavier than the brick. Yeah. So the Audemars Piquet, uh, the, Autom- the, the Audemars Piquet Royal Oak Offshore, yeah. the brick as we call that, um, is lighter than this watch. Have you, you know the other AP you're wearing? Have you got that in here? Do, uh, which one? The one you're wearing this morning. Yeah, yeah, I have that here. Yeah, I have another AP here. I just want to see it, like, uh, comparison-wise. Yeah. 
So this one here is the AP Royal Oak, right? Yeah. And you know what a cool bit is? This this dial is now, we, we, we will now be able to call this the Tiffany dial, right? Because of the collar. This is a lot heavier than this one. Yeah. Like that's It's like crazy. 600 fucking grams or something. Kilos, more like. Ah. <laughs> yeah, you could take that. That's a piece unique. This is the only watch in the world. How much is that? I don't want to put a figure on it. I know how much it set me back. I know what I've done to get this watch. Um, it brought me to hell and back. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, it, it, it's not cheap. You but know, okay, so let me, let me use this, this watch as an example, right? How much is this watch? Uh, approximately 65,000. 65,000 pounds. Uh, is this around, the, is that around the same region as this? Or is it a lot more or? Oh, this is, you wouldn't, I'll, I wouldn't sell you a link for that. Because <laughs> you know I'm, I'm not the most clear of my APs, right? This is, this is, this is extreme ter territory. This is. The God tier. This is, uh, like, I, like I, the world has never seen this dial. The world has never seen this configuration. Yeah. The world has never, ever seen this watch. Do you know what I need to know mainly more than anything, right? Um, where should I put your Royal Oak? What I want to know more than anything is how do you get your hands on a watch like that? What did you have to do to, you know, because it's almost like you've got to go through the trenches, you've got to find yeah. it, you've got to do all this, and especially if it's never been on camera I need to well. convince. I need to convince that this watch is going to be, yeah. uh, that I need to, I need to convince the seller to sell it to me. And before, also before, I'm just interested in this now, yeah, before, you know, because it's never been on camera, before you acquiring it, have, had you have seen it? I knew about this watch, yeah, and I've hunted down this watch for over two years. Okay. It's in my possession for over two years as well. Yeah, bloody hell. Yeah. So then talk to me, how, how did that whole story come about, you know, when you heard about it, and when you thought, you know, I need to get this? That's like, uh, that's like uh, asking a chef about his recipe. True, true. Alright, there's a lot of networking and there's a lot of conversations to come to play, a lot of meetings about this with the previous owner, and it's like, are you the right person? Um, for this, for the previous owner, it wasn't the money wasn't really important. Yeah. But it was that it was gonna go in the right hands. Yeah. That it was gonna go under the radar. This is the first time this watch has ever seen, uh, has ever been seen in public. Yeah. And it just needed to be the right, um, the right process. And uh, um, we've been able to cover uh, cover that every. We've been able to take every every of his boxes. But next to that. Uh, being able to realize a very good price for him at the time, um, which he was happy with, and um, uh, for us it made it it made sense for us as a company to invest in that. That is fucking terrible. When you heard that, well, when did you even heard hear that that watch first existed? First time in two thousand eighteen. And what was your reaction? Doesn't exist. And you thought no, you just no. thought bollocks. No. And then, so where did you? understand that it does exist how long did it take for that person? photo like i when i saw it for the first time in, in person okay so literally up until that point you still had doubt that this doesn't yeah. exist yeah okay and, and then the papers and even documentation from ap and even emails and conversations with very important figures within uh, other pk i was like this could all be fabricated yeah. and then i done some proper diligence and then it's like i had the watch in my hands and i was like this is the real deal. Yeah. That's fucking there's, nice. There's so many watches out there that the biggest, best, most experienced watch experts don't even know about. And that's the beauty. It's like treasure hunting. But this it's is insane. This. And this is, this is 
this is the best part of my job, right? Yeah. This is genuinely the best part of my job, right? I don't give a shit about this modern stuff, right? We sell that, right? And, but to be honest, it's not really my cup of tea, right? This, 6265, right? 1987, mm -hmm. full set, everything there. That's a fucking unicorn. The other stuff, Comex Sea Dwellers, Mark One, the first ever Comex Sea Dweller. We have that sitting there. I have that sitting here. That is berserk, right? But people don't, but the gross, gross of the, like, the gross of the people don't, are not, the gross of the people don't really know of the existence yeah, of yeah, these of watches. Sure, yeah. Like, watches are now, uh, only, only very recent, watches are becoming ma mainstream. Yeah. This is the future, yeah. right? Looking at things that, that people have never heard about. So if you're listening to this right now, chances are you like to stay on top of things, which is why I want to mention our sponsor, The Economist. Today, the world seems to be moving faster than ever. Climate and economics, politics and culture, science and technology, wherever you look, events are unfolding at pace. But now for the first time, you can get a 30-day trial of The Economist so you won't miss a thing. Now, the reason why I use and love The Economist is because not only it helps broaden my perspective on things that are going on in the world, but also because it's deeply researched and expert analysis allows me to hone into on what matters the most to me. Like I said, there's a lot going on these days, but with this free trial, you can access in-depth, independent coverage of world events through podcasts, webinars, expert analysis, and even their extensive archives. So whether you want to catch up on events or dive deeper in specific issues, The Economist delivers perspectives with distinctive clarity. So to keep up to date with everything that's going on in the world and dive deeper into what's really going on, go to economist.com forward slash CEO cast for full access to topics that matter to you the most and original analysis as events unfold. So once again, that's economist.com forward slash CEO cast for your 30-day trial with The Economist because the world won't wait. Right, there's a big difference here the lights are switched off yeah this is uh, trying to fix the lights the elect electricians That's are coming it. back we, we had a uh, technical issues the ceo couldn't do it what was it what did it stand for the again? chief electronical electro elect erection <laughs> officer <laughs> that's <laughs> it we went from electrician to elect and uh, what's it called erection ah. <laughs> okay, <no. laughs> right um i can't remember where we left off right but um what I do want to ask you is, you know, relating back to your struggles and stuff, you mentioned earlier in the podcast that YouTube saved your life. Yeah, definitely. I want to know how YouTube saved your life. It gave me another chance in the watch world. As we started YouTube as the last resort of saving the company, because as you can see, as you can see, the shop is based in a hotel. Yeah. And hospitality was the first thing that closed during COVID. So um, my, my shop was closed and, and my web shop was, no one was looking on my website and I had a few followers on Instagram, but... I mean, what was I selling all of a sudden? Like my team was on furlough and, and like, I mean, I had my team, I had one other person working. At that time. At the time. And like, it literally saved my life, gave me another chance in the watch world. You mentioned that you were on the verge of bankruptcy, bankruptcy yeah. right? So yeah. how, how was you on the verge of bankruptcy? Because I couldn't, afford the, I couldn't afford the rent here and I couldn't afford the rent in my office. As you can see, it's quite small here. Mm. So we don't store the, the watch boxes and all the papers. We store them in, a, Just the in an office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I couldn't afford that. And um, yeah, that was struggling. Yeah, that was a rough time. More right? outgoings and incomes. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah, we were selling watches and I had to sell watches at a loss yeah. to recoup money so I could pay at least my one staff member. You see what I mean? I want to understand, right? Obviously, if people watch your YouTube channel and stuff like that, you have a massive, massive hatred for Hublot. Yes. Yes. I've I, I done a podcast with a guy uh, whose name is Mr. Hublot, right? Yes, I know him, yeah. yeah. And when I've done the podcast with him, he actually had a... Oh, you might grill me for saying this, you might Yeah, please, me, go yeah. ahead. 
He actually had them quite a cool watch. Yeah, it was the Hublot LaFerrari edition, right? And I actually like, quite like the mechanics of it. I thought it was quite a cool watch in that sense. Why do you think it's cool? I saw it and I was just like, you know, that, that looks different to any other watch I've seen. It's not a circular design. Yeah. It literally, or well, they claimed it looked like a V12. It didn't really look like an engine. But I mean, you know, the way the things were moving in there, I was like, that's actually quite sick. If that watch was worth £5,000, would you still like it? Yeah. I know the LaFerrari quite well. I know the watch quite well. Um, personal taste, it looks fucking horrible. Right? You think, yeah? <laughs> yeah. But the thing with this watch is, is the price is a feature of the watch. How much is it? Because the... Don't know, don't give a shit. I think when I was researching, they might have changed obviously since, since I've done the podcast, but when I was checking at the time, I think they were around the 300 grand mark. But the thing is, uh, even Mr. Hublot was saying to me at the time that the reason why he don't like Hublot anymore is because they released the left Ferrari edition and then I think they released the Sapphire edition and then they released another edition of that. So Hublot just releases limited edition after limited edition there and just to shoot at the mass and to see like which watch will be a success. But what is it about them that you actually hate? I think the value proposition for the Hublot is completely off. It's like wrong. It's like their standard fusions feature a Salida movement, yep. which is also featured that exact identical movement uh, in Hamilton for like one tenth of the price. You're paying for marketing there. And uh, I, re I respect that the company is a young company that, that grew quite fast. Yeah. I respect that a lot. Uh, very good. Um, but it's, it's, it's given the wrong vibe. Hublot is not about watchmaking. It's not about watchmaking skills. It's nothing innovative. Uh, it's, it's absolutely zero innovative. Um, I've, I've heard people say the same for Richard Mill, though. Now tell me anything, anyone that has ever built a um, chronograph module or full chronograph movement like Richard Mill has done and skeletonized that as well. It's literally showing off. It's like, it's like a joke. It's baller level, isn't it? <laughs> ah, like, I mean, it's borderline insane. Yeah. Um, and for that, like, for that, I respect that. I needed to really, I grew into Reshot Meal. In the beginning, I really didn't see it and didn't see the value. Um, I now see the value very much. Um, and and, and Reshot Meal, we're only at the beginning of it. Well, we're time. only at the beginning of it. And for me, if I look at uh, Hublot um, in general and, and, and what they represent, it's just not for me. And um, I um, like they're now coming out with this insanely special in-house movement, Unico. Funny enough, they, my name, <laughs> Unico. Yeah, who's this Hublot? Yeah, Hublot. Um, because yeah, they they're now they're now they're catching on. They they, they want to do something themselves. So a, f a good few years ago, they uh, they uh, started making their own movements, which I celebrate. But now the finish of that movement of their most expensive in-house chronograph module yeah. that finish mate a, gr a basic a basic ground seco is better okay better finished than that so they're they're one that actually making isn't even that special i think hublot's cutting corners left right and center okay but it's normal because like they're owned by a conglomerate which means that they're owned by the lvmh group which means that they have shareholders and, and their, their task is sell units to get money set sell units units you see what i mean mm. No, I hear that. That's it's completely different market. So it's completely different strategy almost to your Rolexes, your Richard Mills, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, but if like they care about volume, then you know, exactly anyone can get out. But that comes the thing, right? Omega also only cares about volume. Yeah. But the value proposition for Omega is significantly better. Yeah. Because a Speedmaster, if you want to buy a Speedmaster pre-owned, it's like 
six seven hundred quid difference with new yeah right like it's six seven hundred quid cheaper to buy it pre-owned than to buy it new with hublot it's like fucking you lose 60 percent right off the bat (laughs) like that and that shows the actual value proposition yeah how much it's actually worth how much is the market willing to pay for that i don't give a shit about the investment potential i don't give a shit but let me tell you one thing if you put a rolex and a hublot next to each other and you now travel in time in 50 years that Rolex is still fucking working and that Hublot was already fucking destroyed 40 years before. <laughs> Four years ago. <laughs> now, 40 years earlier, you yeah, see yeah. what I mean? That, that would have already been gone. Line, it would have been buried. <laughs> you see what I mean? Yeah. You know, some of the most interesting stories come from, I, I think, from the grey market, right? I, I had Corona on here and he was telling me times about where he's bought uh, fake watches, um, you know, the point of being robbed, the sort of stuff like that. Have you had any encounters like that? No. Not at all? No, I'm, I'm based in, in Northern Ireland. Uh, Belfast is very safe. I would travel in London. Nowadays, I do travel with security. That means yeah. that when I ever, when I'm in London, I do have a security person with me. Mm. Uh, but because I'm more in the public eye now, yeah, that's the thing. Because the thing is, because you now have seven hundred sixteen thousand subscribers on YouTube, that's big, big, big. And obviously, people know you in the watch game. So if people see you, potential, uh, what's the word? You know, the there, there is, there, there they, is they, they, they know your face. Yeah, and I'm I'm not I'm not like I'm I'm not saying I'm ignorant by I'm not, I'm not taking precautions here in Northern Ireland I do yeah um and I'm not stupid uh, in any way shape or form but like when I'm in London I always travel with a security guard yeah you have to so you haven't had any encounters at all no no never that's mad funny I I have like I have been stolen from by uh, by uh, by YouTubers. <laughs> But uh, what do you mean by a YouTuber? But uh, are you, are you, like a physical? Just, what? Just, no, like fucking didn't pay me. Oh, is it? <laughs> but listen, uh, that's just that. That is brutal. But um, like, I've never, never had a, a, a physical, real bad experience. How would that have worked then? Would you have given them the watch on, on the basis of oh yeah, I'll pay you? No, I bought, I bought three watches basically. Yeah, and then like. He never delivered. He only delivered one, basically, oh, okay. and that's it. Okay, so you're and still then, waiting and for two. And it's like, yeah, and I'm still waiting for two. And it's like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah they're they're sold or whatever, whatever. It's like, give me back my money, will you? Yeah. Doesn't want to pay back. Long story short, but like, I mean, um, there's a there's been a big story about that in the past, and I'm just, I'm just sick of it. You know what? Um, uh, we're 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 getting that money back somehow in some way, yeah, shape, or form. What's your favorite watch at the moment? My favorite watch I have or my favorite watch here? Favorite watch you have that you don't have, whether it's here or not, just your favorite watch in My 6265, 1987 by far. Like that's like, I love the Daytona. Daytona is my favorite watch in the world, like period. Right, and that's my most favorite watch. And the fact that this is my birth year, um, I I know what what I've done to find this piece. Yeah. Um, This watch just means a lot to me. Um, So on special occasions, I would wear that watch. Yeah. What do you think of um, the Swatch and Amiga, uh, Swatch and Amiga Club? Class. Yeah. Oh, I, you know what? I actually really like it, yeah? Love I want to get the mission to the sun, but I don't know if I'm willing to prepare to pay a £1,000. Just wait for it. We'll yeah. all be available. Yeah, because all, yeah. I mean, I was trying to find people, dealers and stuff like that, who got it, and they're all saying, you know, £1,000. I think the lowest I've heard of is £700. And I was just like, you know, Listen, it's not, not worth seven hundred. Yeah, no, it's fact, not. No, right? I just want to get it because obviously it's yellow. The whole brand and CEO class is yellow and sort of stuff. I was just like, yeah, that looks sick. But I mean, Listen, class watch, I think it's really, really cool. Um, it, 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 it introduced watch collecting to a completely new audience. Yeah. 
and it's 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 got it's gonna be the start of a lot of new watch collectors and and I celebrate that I think it's fucking class and and Omega I, I take my I, I criticize Omega a lot but I take my my head off for this one. Yeah, is that something like first of its kind that's happened? Yeah, where you see a, like a, like a luxury brand, brand, luxury brand putting their name on something like that. Okay, they're owned by the Swatch Group, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Swatch itself is 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 like you have no idea how important Swatch was for the watch world. Like that's where watch collecting really started. That's Swatch. Swatch yeah. is like the OGs. You see what I mean? Yeah, and it's unbelievable. Not, not bad of a price range either. No, yeah, like you get on retail. Yeah, like. I thought like it's cheap fucking movements and stuff like that. Yeah, but even then, it's just it's just a cool. Uh, yeah, thing. For, for the money, but I I would have I would have rather seen it like 50, 60 quid cheaper. Yeah. Um, for a retail, um, I think that would be priced better. But like, I mean, they've shown that people are willing to pay insane money for it. Yeah. I think that's just probably because they haven't produced as many and or something like that, and you know. No, no, like they've produced. Absolutely. So, so why has the price gone so sky high on them? But how many can you produce? Have you seen every, you know, every Swatch shop in the entire world? Sold out. I know. There were queues, queues in front of the door at every Swatch shop in the world. Yeah. And you know what I heard as well, and this is something that really pissed me off, that there's flippers waiting every single day. Every single, today still, today. Like a group of fucking criminals. Like, they, they're literally hunting and, 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 Scaring other people, like, and every morning they're there to to see if they have new watches. And they they came. How long has it been now? Two, three months. Something yeah, like something like that. I think that's a disgrace. Yeah. But what, what Omega, what, what Swatch needs to do, is just open it up. Fucking open it up. Yeah. Just pre uh, order it online, done, and then everyone can enjoy um, the watch collecting journey. And you see, with the whole watch collecting journey and stuff like that, right? We were talking about this earlier on this morning. Rolex, you're saying you, they, they piss you off. <laughs> you know what, right? Because everyone, everyone, uh, you know, I talk to cousins, friends, whoever is like into almost watch collecting, right? They all dream of getting Rolexes or yeah. whatever it may be. People know how much obsessed I am with Rolex. I've always priced it to the, uh, priced it, uh, yeah. said the best things and, and, and it's a fact. Because the thing is right? on your videos, you don't ever slate Rolex like how, no. how you would have Hublot. So. Recently I am, recently yeah. I am and it's not really the problem, Rolex is not really the problem, it's the people that that represent Rolex, the the authorised dealers, um, the, the jewellers that, that, that are the authorised dealers. It's, yeah. Um, I think it's a, I think it's wrong in every way possible that you need to be grateful to spend your heart earned I, I think it's wrong in every way possible that you need to be grateful of spending your own hard-earned money right yeah oh you need to buy this diamond necklace then i'll maybe sell your rolex go fuck yourself that's not what rolex is about that was never what rolex was about rolex always made quality extreme quality durable watches that was what rolex was about that's hans wilsdorf right that's the founder of rolex he founded rolex in 1905 in london right that's the man, that's the visionary who thought about inf influencer marketing yeah. way before there was internet. <laughs> yeah. You see what I mean? Mercedes Glides, the, uh, uh, the um, Mount Everest. Like, that's that man, you see what I mean? Rolex made such a big impact and I, I love that so much. But, I mean, there's so much corruption now. And where there's money, there's corruption. And I'm not ignorant, right? I understand how this game uh, works. And, uh, but there's so much corruption with unauthorized dealers here. Like I can literally, with one press of a button, I can have a fucking brand spanking new straight from an AD uh, ceramic Daytona. Mm. But I have to pay extra. 
You see what I mean? And well, like under the table. Yeah, under the table, and that is just wrong. Yeah, that's just wrong. And to give you an idea, local here, like these guys sell to Hong Kong. Yeah. Right. So these they're deliberately selling into Hong Kong. So a person comes here from Hong Kong, right? And then <laughs> this person sells it to Hong Kong, but first passes by our shop to try to see if I want to buy something. <laughs> like, this is just so wrong. And these are the authorized dealers, you see what I mean? And, and they're supposed to be the most legit people in the industry. But why are they doing that though? Just for extra money? Yeah, of course. Because, I mean, like I understand the point, right? And there's only one solution on that. Like, I can complain as much as I want, right? Yeah. But I need to have a solution as well. And AP done this quite well. AP took control over their own sales channels and said, you know what? Fuck it. We make our own shops. This is We control these shops and we control the price. And the authorized dealers, fuck yous. They literally took away all the dealerships. And this is what Rolex, this is what I see Rolex will do yeah, in the future. They'll have to. But what about the whole, um, does the waiting list come into play at that all? No, like waiting list doesn't apply anymore. It's now qualification list, right? Okay. How much have you bought with us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The buying history. You How much have you spent? What's right, your you, call, you, you call it buying history. I call that qualification list. Yeah. Have you bought enough your jewelry? Have you done this? Have you bought other brands? Now, maybe, I, maybe I'm allowing you to buy a Rolex. To buy it, yeah. That is fucking ridiculous. That's not what Rolex is about. Rolex is an achievement rather than a timekeeping device. Yeah. And um, it, it, shouldn't, and it, and it shouldn't be in any way, shape, or form that way. With the whole bankruptcy situation on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. How long did it take for you to bounce back from, from almost like bankruptcy stage? And then almost, I don't want to say rebuild the business, but build the business up to where the point is right now. You've got 17 staff for you. Some of the most luxurious watches that we see up here in the office. How long did, was that period for you? How long did that take? I think we're still in that period. Yeah? Yeah. Why so? Like, it's not that we will go bankrupt, but it's, it, it's like we're still in that journey. Mm. Like, we're still in that build up and building up that business. We don't, we're not stopping. We're not slowing down. We're... <laughs> I just hired two new people. Like I'm putting in the throttle. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm going a million miles an hour, and I don't, and I'm not gonna stop. Like I mean, how long it takes? To, uh, like how long it took me to get out of danger zone? That was a good bit of a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. But now we're now we're not in danger zone. Now we're in next stage zone. So we've every part of our journey that that wasn't planned, right? That wasn't that's the past. Now everything is planned. We have a proper team. We have a proper board. We have a proper people in our business that have experienced. Stephen, my right hand man, with, with, with running so many shops in the past, authorized dealers. Mm. He was he worked for uh, he was a big like worked for Goldsmiths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And like we now have the experience in house, and now it's uh, it's like full throttle in. Like, I want to understand something as well, right? Um, and before I make a full self on camera. Have you have you got an actual collab with with Casio? No, no. Oh, so the God tier watch. I thought is that not? No. Oh, we came was, up with that. Oh shit. <laughs> we get, it just came up in a random tearless video on the first ever tearless video. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, God tier. Yeah, no. yeah. Because I no. thought I thought you had a collab with G, with uh, Casio. No, Casio's never paid me a penny, nor did I ever receive a free watch. Casio, get your shit in order for fuck's sake. I deserve at least a fucking free watch. Yeah. For all the fucking promotion I've done. Yeah, they look quite sick. Like, we've been talking to them and I wanted 10,000 watches and they said, yeah, we're going to do that. I was thinking, I saw that video or something. We were planning to do that and then all of a sudden, it just never happened. Like, they just closed communications. Like, that's mad. Like, get the fuck, you can't. (laughs) Fucking hell.
I want to end this podcast on this question, right? You get paid from YouTube, right? Like, it's good money. In a sense. Yes. Yeah? yeah? So I'm saying, what I'm trying to say is, with the stress of the business and everything that you have to do for Pride and Opinion, right? Yeah? What makes you want to continue with Pride and Opinion when, essentially, you could still live a good life with, with YouTube? Yes. Because you could still still be a watch expert. You could still be rating other people's watches. I love that. Uh, to, be, to be honest, I, I love that question. Um, Bright opinion is about my life. Bright opinion is my life. It's everything I've ever wanted. It's my dream. And there's more important things in the world than money. There's legacy. And when I die, when I'm done, I want there to be a business. I want there to be a story, a journey. And uh, the, my journey. And I want my kids to look at that and think, okay, my dad worked his fucking ass off. I want other people to look at that and think, fuck me, that, that guy that was capable of nothing, that, that ludicrous, that, that weirdo, that fat, small, short guy that we always underestimated, yeah. done something that is still here. That's pride and opinion, right? And the reason why I will never stop with pride and opinion and will only push till I, we've achieved what we wanted to achieve in this case. It is we, although I'm still sole shareholder and sole owner. My whole entire team is behind me and, and we all want to achieve There's this. There's a whole team behind you now. Yeah, yeah, the whole team. And everyone works, everyone that works with us now, yeah. we've never had a, we've never had, no, we had one person le- left, but he became a teacher. Okay. We've only one person that ever left. This is, these guys are here from the start now. And, and we have a collective goal to be, uh, to be going from an underdog position to beat the biggest in the industry. And, and, and I want that to be known. And, and, and okay, I am a foul mouth, wee bollocks, but it doesn't make me not an expert in my field. The way I speak shouldn't be a factor of, of it shouldn't be coming into play in, in the knowledge I want to share. Yeah. You see what I mean? And, um, like that, that's my goal and that's my end goal. This is, there's more important things than money. And, and the YouTube channel allows me to do this without investors because the money that comes into from YouTube put, put it back straight, straight to opinion. business. And that allows us to build up our stock levels, build up our company. And, uh, and that allows me to, to, to leave something behind. Yeah. Legacy. Legacy and there was, there was one watch we were talking about this earlier in the afternoon, right? There's one watch for you where you said you don't want to get that watch until it's all done. Yeah. So tell, whenever, tell me. whenever I've achieved everything, yeah. it's the first watch, it's the watch that got me into this obsession I have today. Whenever I buy that watch properly and it's my watch, it's my birth year watch. Full set. Full set and everything is there. Whenever I find that watch, I know it's over. Wow. Is, is it a, a case of it's a rare watch to find? No. So if you wanted to, you know you could do it today? Yeah. Yeah. So what stops you from doing that? Because I'm not finished. You're not nowhere finished. I'm not finished. I'm nowhere near finished. This is just the beginning of it. Like this is the first year where people, where a big mass all of a sudden know about Pride and Pinion. This is the first year. Yeah. Can you imagine all those people that watch the videos now and whenever they're ready to buy their first ever luxury watch? Come to Pride and Pinion. The first thing they think about is Pride and Pinion, mate. This Nico is. I want to be there. I want. We're just in the beginning of it. This is just the start of it. And um, that watch will, will say I, I will retire. That's the watch that started it for me. It's the 16613, the Blue Dial two-tone um, Rolex Submariner. 
and uh, it needs to be a proper full set and unpolished and it needs to be yeah that's the watch that started it all yeah Nico before I love you leave you and head back to London I have one last final question that came to my head top of my head right um, obviously you're expecting a baby boy yeah yeah now if your baby boy as he grows older comes and stumbles across this podcast with his dad on it right what's the advice and what's the message you'd leave for your son Never listen to anyone. Just listen to yourself. Look at him in the camera. Address him. That's that's mad. Like, never listen to anyone. Never. Always follow your own your own gut. Never give up, and fight fight for yourself. And uh, that's what I've done. That's what I've done. I uh, I've been through hell too many times, and um, I came out of it better than better than I came into it. Enjoy the journey as well. Like I'm now this year is the first time I have money in my pocket, so all of a sudden I can do something nice and can go on a nice holiday. I um, I've never done that. It's mad. And um, I'm gonna buy my first house. I've never been able to buy a house. Still don't own my own house yet. It's 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 good. Like so, fight your fights and stand up for yourself. Never listen to anyone. Listen to yourself. Listen to your gut and. Um, you get good back. When you, when you give good, you get good back. My father taught me one thing, right? If you give one euro away, somewhere down the line you get two euros back. So do good and you'll always receive good. That's, uh, that's it. That's weird. I never thought about that. That's, like, that's a beautiful one. Though. I could see you getting emotional. Yeah, yeah because... every reason to. Because th- this is one of the things... Like I've, I've always been the underdog my entire life. My entire life I've always been the underdog. And I'm, I'm done with that role. You see what I mean? I've, I'm, I'm done with that. I'm, people have always underestimated me. And um, now I'm just showing results. I want to pay back with results. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's tough, but it's worth it. In the long run, it's always worth it. Yeah. Well, Nico. It's been amazing, amazing to have you on. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Thank you very much for, you know, allowing me to come down to Belfast doing this podcast episode and, you know, sharing your knowledge and inspiration to inspire other people as well. I, I, I don't ever, I always said I never want to be an inspiration because my road was rough. But uh, with hardship comes ease. That's it. That's it. Thank you so much, bro. Nico Jr., if you're watching this, make sure you subscribe to CEO Cost and your dad. <laughs> That's it, boy. <laughs> Got it. That's, he'll be probably the 10th million subscriber. <laughs> probably more than that at that point. But Nico, once again, thank you very, very much for... No worries, bro. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How's that? Didn't expect that. Wow. Yeah, you, you could see like, Yeah, that was, that was tough. Like, people, don't, people don't know what kind of hell... Like, everyone has his hell, right? Everyone has his fights, his own fights. Yeah. And... Um, it's tough, like, it's tough. People don't see that. Yeah. It's the first time in my life I have money in my pocket. First time in my life. Ah, what age now? 34. Yeah. The, the, the cameras are still rolling, so I'm going to ask you this question, right? Do you believe that there is no expiration date for uh, following your passion and becoming your true self and, you know... Never. Never. You can, you can only excel in the things you really love. You can become the best at it if you really love it, if you're passionate about it. And there's no expiration dates on that. It doesn't matter how old you are, as long as you give it everything you have. You see what I mean? There's no expert. Like, KFC, your man was fucking whatever how old he was. But, like, 
It's the first time having money in my pocket. I'm 34. I don't even know. Don't even own my own house yet. I'm now. We're now in the process of buying my own house. Like I mean, it's a it's a rough road. I first year in my life that I have money in my pocket is like that. I can actually, like I can I can now buy stuff for my for my first child. Yeah. Without really having to look at a price. Like of course I, I know the value of a coin and I'm. I've worked too hard for money to, to, to disregard anything and I will always try to go for the cheapest in the bargain and whatever and I'm, I'm very solid in that but there's no stress. I'm, I'm, I'm not stressed for the first time in my life that I, if I buy this, there's maybe something I can't do. I'm not stressed about it anymore and that's, that's brilliant. That's great to hear, man. That's uh, great to hear. Are you going to buy your son a watch when he's born? Yeah. What, have you got one in mind or anything like that? Yeah. yeah. Same, on, same on my mom and dad bought me, yeah. Okay, is it? What do you maybe, think? Maybe I'm, I'm going to give that one. How, how does your dad feel about you now? Obviously, because you didn't, you didn't want to go back. You know, he told you, yeah. you know, you're going to be back in three months, right? Obviously, my, he probably knows how my father, now. My father was never the man that said, I'm proud of you, right? Yeah. Um, he's a very hardworking man. He comes from, uh, like, his, his, gra- his father, my grandfather, was a very charismatic, strong man. Yeah. And... Um, but recently he told me he was proud of me and that fucking, that was, that was... Hit you. Yeah, that hit me very well, very hard, right? And he's now becoming a granddad. Like, my parents went through hell with me when I was young and school and problems. And it's the first time that they see, that they also realize, okay, now everything is, is just good. I don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah. And that's nice at their older age that they, can, that they can just now grow older without having the stress of one of their kids, right? It's nice as well, that feeling. Uh, and uh, that that's that's what my parents deserve. Uh, I think any parent deserves that. Uh, uh, definitely. That's it. Definitely. Well, Nico, once again, thank you very much, Mike. You're a fucking legend, mate. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, man. Honestly. Thank Cut. you. Yeah, that's it. Cut. Cut. Cunt. <laughs> <laughs>